Damn it! Hal can't make the episode this week. Um, fuck. I, I can't do this alone. Who, who else can I invite? Who else can I invite? Um, oh, I know. I'll invite some of the most beloved anime characters in history to see if they want to join the show. Um, SpongeBob, do you want to be on Brotakus this week? Sorry, Pax, but I would rather die than come on your show. I don't fuck with that gay anime shit. The only animations I'll watch are the Simpsons porn parody ads on Pornhub.com. Good luck finding a guest, though. Damn it. Uh, GLaDOS from the famous video game Portal. Do you want to be on Brotakus this week? Sorry, Pax, but I can't join Brotakus Anime Club today. I totally would. But unfortunately, I'll be busy not hanging out with you communist soy boy weebs. Have fun with your 2D girls while I'll be sucking 3D titties in the big boy leagues. Ask Anna. I'm sure she doesn't have plans. Great idea. I'll call Anna. Hey, Anna, uh, it's Pax. Do you want to be on Brotakus this week? Oh, Brotakus? Again? I'd love to. All right, six, six, six. You don't have anything that wait, you're doing? Wait, 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 wait. Did Henry tie Kyle up in the basement again? No, he's just busy being hot. So I have a proposition. Yeah. You want to talk Doro Hetero, bitch? Never anything more in my life. Woo! Let's get it! Hello, everybody. I'm Pax. And I'm Anna. And this is Hotakus, bitch. We're two gay bitches who love anime, do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to get a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form. And we are so lucky to have you on this journey with us. Shout out to everybody showing your support. Please follow us at the Brotakus Twitter account, Brotakus on Facebook, Brotakus.com, Brotakus a million years, Brotakus, look at Brotakus. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. We love hearing from you. We've been getting great messages. Thank you for suggesting on the top tens um do you want us to review your favorite manga or anime shoot us an email uh or leave a review and we'll check it out you could email us at the email in the show notes that's paxlillin at gmail.com or you could just dox me just just get the swat team on me i deserve it i've done some stuff <laughs> but today we uh we have we have changed things up for an episode Wise listeners may have picked up on the fact that Hal sounds a little different today and is going by the no. name of Anne. Hal, quiet, you're going to give away the game. <laughs> well, guess what? That's not Hal. That's Anna Kiko, motherfuckers. Anna Kiko, sublime actor and voice actor based in New York City. Love of my life. Doing video essay collaborations. Doing freaking cool jobs. I won't even spoil the cool stuff that you were doing, but I hope that everything lands. You could find Anna on Instagram at Swagabond and at Anna Kiko2 on Twitter. Kiko is spelled C-H-I-C-C-O. Anna Kiko2 on Twitter. Hi, Anna. What's up? Hi, Max. How are you? So happy to be back. The delicious, beautiful, feminine energies in this podcast. Finally, we can be our gayest, truest selves. No longer do we have chatty daddy Hal tying us down with metal chains. Oh, sorry. There was a delay. Did I did I did that jump out? <laughs> I was like. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was a pause on my end. I have different Wi-Fi because I moved recently. Ooh, good. Um, 
No longer do we have Chatty Daddy Hal tying us down with the metal chains of masculine oppression. <laughs> this is a fucking musical theater major. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking worked on a Disney cruise. Like, what am I gonna... <laughs> He's not Gaston. Anyway. Anyway, um, Hal is currently uh, out today with holiday stuff. Things are really busy. Hal has a lot of exciting things going on in life. And we'll be back next week as we slide into the new year, have a ton of exciting things lined up. Uh, but Anna, uh, <laughs> but we were exactly lucky. how I describe myself. <laughs> but we were lucky enough to be able to land Anna Kiko and uh, get Anna back on the podcast. Anna, fan favorite Anna Kiko. Anna, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm doing wonderfully. Lots of great things have been happening in my life recently, and I'm wearing my favorite gayest shirt just to honor this occasion. Every uh, time. Big good yaoi vibes <laughs> of all your shirts. <laughs> um, uh, cats have entered our apartment, so that's exciting. And Oh, that's new? Oh, that's new. It's three weeks ago. That's exciting. So are you allergic to cats? Is that why you didn't want them in? I'm not allergic to cats. It's just the adoption uh, 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 agency treated us like we were trying to break into Fort Knox. So getting to cats was a lot of trouble. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm very glad that you landed them or stole them or however you got the cats. You can't give away my secrets like that. I'm happy that you legally got those cats, Anna, <laughs> today. <laughs> Today, you know, Anna, as as two as two hentai connoisseurs, as two dojin dojin sommeliers, we're very familiar with the whole. But however, today we mean the whole in a very different way. And listeners, I'm just talking about whole because whole is the uh, colloquial term used to refer to this deep, dark, sunken city that Dorohedero takes place in. A city of twisted ma- magicians, of wild battles, of ultra violence, of sweet, delicious uh, treats on the street, of zombies, of, of cooked gyoza, of fantastic female body models, of a series that is so compelling it has survived cancellation time and time again. Uh, it's fucking Dora Hidoro, y'all, or Doro Hidoro, or Doro the Hidoro, Doro the Explorer. So, uh, we're talking about Doro Hidoro. Should I? Is that how you want me to pronounce? Doro Hidoro. Okay, putting a little sauce on it. I see we got a little saucy in the in the chat today. I'm so sorry. It's like it's my whole career. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Look at you, look at you, look at you pronouncing things the right way. Doro Hidoro. Doro Hidoro. So we are talking about Doro Hidoro. Uh, Anna, what is the title meeting? That's a weird title. I ain't never heard a word like that in American. Could you translate that for me? I would love to translate it for you. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> All right, lay it out. Okay. So uh, Doro is mud, and uh, Hidoro is uh, basically a loose translation of sludge. Um, it is used usually to describe a briny, not briny, um, a, a viscous, uh, muddy lake, uh, water that is spoiled and stagnant. Um, Ooh, that's so evocative. That is so evocative. Yeah, and um, it is uh, no spoilers, no nothing, but it is uh, an unusual word that is super fun to say and comes from a reference in Volume 10 um, describing a character's feeling after falling into sludge that he has finally become one with this horrid city. 
Oof. Gosh, man, that is powerful. Just having finished Cyberpunk 2077, those Grimdark City vibes are hitting me in the good, good place. Mm, Glitch in the best way. Exactly. So (laughs) I know the audience is like really, really eager to hear about this hole that we've been teasing. Tell us about the hole. Tell us about the hole. You have like you have like 90 seconds before we get into whole talk. So get ready, audience, because first we got to deal with the publication history of this because we like to educate the people as well. This one had a really weird publication history. It was going for like 10 years, but it doesn't have like a ton of volumes. What is it, like 17 volumes? 23. 23. 23. It's right there in the show notes that animated. <laughs> I can't read. I can't read. Um, so give us a little peek into what the fuck was going on with Dory Hidero and why it bounced around publications like this. So uh, in its beginning, uh, Dory Hidero was uh, considered an indie uh, the publication uh, due to its unusual nature and uh, complex art style uh, and the gory nature that it revolves around. Um, it pub- its publication started in 1999 uh, in the first monthly uh, Iki uh, publication magazine. Uh, and unfortunately, monthly Iki actually uh, ceased publication in 2014. Uh, so it had a long run there uh, as a wonderful indie publication and then went on hiatus for a year when the exact same uh, publisher... Sh- let me make sure I pronounce this right. Uh, Shogakukan, Shogakukan uh, picked up a new magazine. That's the ultimate bloodline technique. I'm unleashing my Shogakukan. <laughs> it's when you replace your eye with a closed up Bakugan and then you pop it out of your opponent at a light speed. And show it to them. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, show the Gakugan. Show the Gakugan. That's weird. <laughs> we, we graduated college. We graduated college. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the same one. <laughs> I have three fucking degrees and one is in English. And I'm like, it's like when you show the Bakugan, <laughs> like bloodline, did you run? Oh, God. This is just what happens. Like so anyone out there working in nine to five, when you're working this shit, your IQ drops by a good 17,000 points the second you get home. It's oh. like, okay, enter the abyss. Yeah, IQ, IQ gets left at the door with your shoes and your IQ. Oh my god, yeah, I like that. Like that, like you're hanging it up like keys. So, until the Shoku got... I'm just Shogaku killing your vibe gun. today. So, it, was, it, it moved from I- Ichi? Iki? Iki. So, the magazine Monthly Iki. Uh, it was there from 1999 to 2014, and then the publication ceased. The same publisher, Shogakukan, uh, opened a or started a new magazine called Hibana, and uh, it was there from 2015 to 2017. When unfortunately that magazine also ceased its publication. However, at this point in time, um, the mangaka had developed a cult following for this now oh, very long-running, okay, though okay. slowly published, uh, indie. Uh, manga, and it became less indie and was able to be, uh, sorry, picked up by the larger magazine Monthly Shonen. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, it became so popular that it kind of pulled the Futurama and the uh, ending was postponed so that they could even include four more volumes. And it was finally finished in 2018, totaling at 23. That is so interesting. So this is something because I had thought like, Oh man, is this like um, is this like Lil B the base god's curse on Kevin Durant, where like where where it is the fact that Doro Hidoro is just destroying every magazine it touches? But no, it's that like it was popular, it was a jam, but the magazines were failing. Exactly. So um, when it made it to Monthly Shonen, is is there? 
are there a lot of these monthly publications? Because I know most people know like Weekly Shonen Jump. Are there a lot of like monthly manga publications yeah, as well? There are a bunch of monthly uh, manga publications. And oftentimes, uh, unfortunately, the massive trend in the early t- uh, 2000s that uh, really pushed weekly uh uh, production schedules was really, really unhealthy. And um, the mangaka uh, chose to specifically avoid this because her art style was simply too complex and uh, required actually multimedia production. She did not just ink things. She used uh, paint, textured fabrics, textured papers, and uh, she couldn't force herself to create things that fast. And uh, it's part of the reason why uh, Dora Hidoro has more of a cult following than ever growing to be the, like, wildly popular shonen it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, with something that has this massive cult following, it's got to be pretty fucking good, right? If it it resurrected itself out of the ashes three times? (laughs) Baby, would I ever show you anything that was bad? Come on now. Well, you know, I think that this would be a fantastic time to do a deep dive into the hole. Let's get in that hole. Finally getting in the hole. Listeners, today we are all going to get hole as we dive into the world of Doro Hidoro. Welcome back, babes. <laughs> you got it. You got it. That was so good. Such a good start. Now get to word. Th- now get to word four. <laughs> Welcome back, bitches, to this special production of Hotaku. Gay. <laughs> We're here talking about Dora Hidoro and uh, the first episode and. Hey, Pax. <laughs> yeah, I know what's up. <laughs> sort of, so we've been talking about this wonderful show called Dory Doro, and we know it's it's, yeah. it's production, and and that there is something called the whole. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit what this is about? I will try my best. I will try my best. So, so listeners, uh, Anna has has come on one because she introduced me to Dora Hidoro, but also because uh, she's read the whole fucking thing. I've seen the season of Dora Hidoro, the adaptation that is out on Netflix, and so that is what I will be referencing today. But so, as as an amateur Dora Hidoro fan, someone who's barely even di- dived into the world of the of the Lizard Man X uh, Mask Man Yaoi that it must be out there, um, the the, the <laughs> The plot of this show centers on um, a man named Kaiman and his search for um, his identity. Essentially, the show opens in this like really like uh, grim, dark city. It gives me big vibes for anyone who's seen like Parasite of kind of like the, the slums of soul that that should like take oh, yeah. place in. And um, everything is just poor and just grimy and gross. And... Kaiman runs into, along with this, like, gorgeous fucking woman, um, uh, two people who are doing magics and illegal things, and there's this, like, wild fighting, and there's, like, black smoke, and they're, like, attacking this man with a gigantic lizard head, and they're like, God, the magic's not working! And the lizard man, like, swallows one of their heads, and then the person is inside of his head. Follow me, audience, because this is actually a really cool thing. So, Kaiman, this lizard man is going from, like, person to person, 
getting head. That's not how I should say that. <laughs> That's not how I should say that. Um, he is getting his mouth around their head <laughs> so that a Would you little, say he's biting their face? I would say that. That's a better, less <laughs> less sexual way to do it. Oh, God. Um, hey, y'all. Pax in the editing room. Uh, at this point, I got frazzled and spent like nine minutes trying to recap this, and I did it so horribly. So uh, then Anna just basically stopped and was like, stop. This travesty cannot go on. So here's Anna's way better recap of it. Do you, do you want some help? Yeah, okay, whatever. Hit me with an expert. <laughs> um, this is a story of Kaiman, who is a man who has had his head transformed into that of a lizard. Him and his friend, Nakaido, go around the hole, which is their home where the humans live in this universe, um, finding sorcerers who come over to the hole to practice their magic on uh, illegally on citizens. Uh, in order to find his head and change himself back to who he was... He attacks these sorcerers when he finds them, puts their head in his mouth, and a man emerges from the back of his throat and says, either you are the one or you are not the one. When he takes him out of his head, mm. he says, what did the man in my mouth say? And if he doesn't get the answer he likes, he kills him on the spot. And that is the broad strokes of the start of Dorohedoro, the adventures of Lizard Man and Nikaido Girl. And Dumpling We're Lady. We're doing that. And Dumpling Lady. And this is why you're so necessary and like the best person to, to fill in for Hal here, Anna, because not only does does your aceness help counteract my um my my just brain, which is one giant just a f- fire built on a pyre of like ripped up hentai novels, but um <laughs> your your good brain helps counteract my bad one in explaining really clearly what's going on here. I can't take credit for that. Uh, in preparation, I rewatched the first five episodes, so I just Based. I I know I know what is spoilers and what's not. And so, broadly going into the show, you might be expecting a battle anime in which it's like Lizard Man and his cool best friend who runs a dumpling shop going around the city trying to find his identity, and that is broadly what it's about initially but it subverts expectations in a way that i think is is wholly responsible for its popularity so talking about what makes this show special um the the art style i think is actually something that we could lead off like right away with in terms of what's great about this show um this is done the the anime is what wh- what do you call the c- type of like 3D animation blend? Um the most simple way to describe it would be it is fully CGI. Um or uh uh the more complex would be uh, uh CG2D. Um mm. Uh, basically, if you uh, there's a modern uh, emergence in anime where a lot of CGI is being blended in, this uh, is all CGI, no hand animation, uh, which actually uh, really didn't help it when it first started. A lot of uh, watchers and readers of the anime when it or readers of the manga when it was announced were really really scared about Mappa taking this approach, especially since it was their first fully ever CGI attempt at a, a show. And so I know that you were a little underwhelmed by this approach because people who are familiar with like a, a lot of the latest Netflix like battle anime like Grappler Baki and um, uh, uh, Kenganashira, this is becoming more and more a, a technique that studios are exploring. And they even do it with like the Dragon Prince mm-hmm. and uh, the latest Berserk movies, something that I'm going to guess makes animation easier. But um, there can be a really wide range of results like it basically killed the latest Berserk TV adaptation. And with Dora Hidero, 
it kind of works for me. It's 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 done in my my heart again, not having read the manga with enough care that it does give you like Fire Emblem Three Houses vibe. So where you look at like a still of it and you might kind of be like, oh, is this just like a hand drawn thing? Before realizing, oh no, this is three D modeling. And in action, there could be moments where it might look like a little clunky, but. I gotta say, the writing in this show is just so sublime, and everything is just so unique and visually appealing that the little technical, you know, uh, deficiencies of it seem like such a side note for me. Um, I would agree with you in a lot of ways, and also I have to sort of like come to terms with the fact that even though I didn't love the CGI, I felt uh, as if the movement wasn't quite as fluid as one done yeah. with 2D animation and stuff like that. There was no other approach that they could have taken that would have been as effective because if you look at any of the uh, original artwork, any of the original stylistic drawings uh, that the Mega has done, they are intensely um, stylized and very, very detailed. Uh, mm-hmm. The amount of money and time that would have had to go into what was really animating a, a, a risky. Uh, and mm, oh, a, a risky yeah. manga uh, would have not not been feasible. So the fact that they went fully CGI as opposed to a blend of the two or all 2D really was worked out in their favor, despite the fact that it does have a few shortcomings. That's actually a really, really smart distinction that you're making because um, I'm thinking of the other series that is known for its like long gestation process and the okay when I when I say the anime with the most painstaking, mind blowing like auteur thousand work hour art, what manga do you think of? Is, are you thinking One Piece? No, no, no. I'm thinking Berserk. Actually, I'm oh, thinking really? Berserk. Actually, their styles are very similar. Yeah, because Berserk is known for the these panels in which like it looks like full like Hieronymus Bosch murals of like painstakingly drawn demons collapsing in on each other, and it's something where it is so detailed and every scale of armor is so polished in a way that things like you know One Piece or any of these weekly manga just aren't. That when it comes time to adapt it, you kind of get like you kind of get like fucked if you're in a place where. Doing that would take like a Studio Ghibli team to pump out like one episode. Exactly. Um, So that was a great, great connection of saying, well, you know, some of these places feel like they need the 3D, 2D style to like even get close to this shit. Especially since uh, MAPPA was actually taking a huge risk when taking on this project because it did have an enormous cult following. Mm. But um, there were several critics who criticized her art style. There were several critics who um, felt that it was too gruesome for a female makeup to make and that it wasn't popular enough to really be widespreadly popular. Absolutely. And on that subject, let's kind of talk about the fact that this is written by a female mangaka, which is very, very unusual in, in the, the field, right? Um, uh, female mangaka aren't unusual in and of themselves, but her particular style and the story she has written, in, especially considering the uh, in, environment in which... Um, I, I should have been specific to say, like, a, to, to, to be writing a, a kind of ultra-violent anime. Like, most exactly. people would kind of peg them into, like, a shoujo category. <laughs> Um, she has no interest in shoujo and she's always said that, um, she includes a lot of her own interests, which include things like bugs, gore, 
gruesome killing. Um, and no baseball. Actually, there is there's baseball. baseball. There's baseball. There's baseball right there's away. Baseball. Yeah. And um, uh, she's she's really she's received a lot of criticism for being in very untraditional female mangaka due to the fact that she does not shy away from things that are considered traditionally masculine and non-feminine interests. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And there's a lot of things to be grateful in the world of like uh, uh, not, uh, going outside gender roles. Like shout out to all of our our crystal gays and our skull uh, collecting lesbians and uh, and various different <laughs> uh, types of people. And for this one, shout out bug girls. Shout out bug girls who got the bug collection because uh, it really shows in some of this grotesque stuff in Dora Utero. Um So talking about what she brings specifically to the gender designs here, I want to dive in on that because um, – it's unbelievable. I I didn't know that it was a female mangaka coming into this, but it just makes so much sense because I want to read a criticism from someone who I think is going to be our new uh, enemy because of what they wrote. Can I share this with you? Please. So this is from notorious bastard Carlos Santos from Anime News Network. Carlos, we're getting ready – or Car- sorry, Carlo, we're getting ready to throw down, Carlo. We are getting ready to throw down. So uh, Carlo wrote, quote – the story never develops a sense of flow and that Q Hayashida, quote, cannot draw the human body at all. And this is something that is like so ridiculous to me. One, because the main character is a lizard guy. He doesn't have a human body, Carlo. <laughs> Fuck you. There's bug people in here. They don't have human bodies. But moreover, the women's bodies in this are like fucking gorgeous and not in the way where like my one of my biggest gripes in one piece is that so many of the female characters get like time skip titties after the halfway point where it's like they go draw to draw an x yes yes, yes, yes. circles <laughs> exactly exactly whereas um there's some big booby and uh there's some big titty in doro Hidero. how would you describe what like the, the main female character uh, uh looks like what does nikaido look like so nikaido is a um muscular thin-hipped a uh, large-chested, um, big-foreheaded beauty who has this, um, I would say, probably the most stereotypical look of any of the women in the show, but is completely realistic in her body proportions yes. and in her in her strength. She uh, she's got these chunly thighs, and she is intensely beautiful while avoiding the uh, buxom white wafy sort of uh traditional female stereotype in anime yeah she's got strong shoulders she has got like strong abs and not strong abs in the sense where it's like the the bikini ab type no she's got a pump pump she's got a six pack (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and she's like she's just like thick in such like an imposing good way oh my god i just want to be murdered by nikaido we were talking about this earlier just like the 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 characters in this series just making us feel all types of ways and she wears a jumpsuit the entire time right and it's so hot it's so hot hot. she's the sexiest janitor alive yeah and exactly the thing is like she she never do you see a female character in the series fighting in high heels at least from what i've seen Nah, she wears jordans baby yeah she's wearing jordans and when you see her hit somebody just by her body type you you just it sells it. You believe, like, yeah, she could fuck somebody up. Like, she is athletic. She is dangerous. She is amazing. And then the other uh, big female character is um, Noi, right? Noi. And Noi is my 
queen. Noi is, uh, in, in fact, there's a sort of running joke in the uh, anime where uh, every time Noi takes uh, her trench coat off, People go, oh, that was a woman the whole time. And there's nothing not womanly about this this woman's body. Yeah. She's just that buff. Yeah. And she rocks it. She does. She's my girl. And I don't know what this like ongoing trait in in anime and manga is because it's I've seen it a couple times where there'll be like a a character who like, you know, speaks like this and like has a very like, you know, whatever, like feminine voice, and everyone's like, Oh, what is he doing here? Because he's like wearing a mask or cause like he's like or because the character's muscly. So if it sounds like you know, when like all the other male characters are down here and like the gruff thing and they're like so surprised. But like the character who's been kicking ass the whole time, like sounding high like with a high voice register, is revealed to be a woman and people are like, Whoa, 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 what the She fuck? takes off her she takes off her hood and everyone's shocked. And yet I'm shocked at how fucking hot she is with the hair, and I just want to be decapitated by this person. I want her I want I want her to do the Miss Trunchbull throw to me. You know how Miss Trunchbull throws that kid with the hammer throw like across the field? I want her to. I want that to be how I die. It's <laughs> being hammer thrown by Nora. I was about to say I want to be playing video games and her to come home and crush my head between her thighs. That's how I want to die. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know what it is. If Noi was just a little meaner, she'd be perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. She's so nice and she's so sweet. All of these characters, especially the female ones, are so well rounded. They aren't uh, two dimensional in in any way. They they have um, a collection of characters characteristics about them that make them so human and so realistic and so relatable. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about how Doro Hidoro subverts tropes like that. Because, oh, cheers. Because there are there are things that kind of fit into to stock characteristics here, but I think everything gets so complicated and fleshed out that um um I think it was uh Hayao Miyazaki, who talked about how uh, people m- memely quote him saying, uh, anime was a mistake. <laughs> Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he did say something along those lines. Um, but part of it was, I believe the term that he used was hyper expressivity, where, um, where you would, because of the really tight production schedules, because people were forced to like pump out the story week by week, they would start reverting and refining and refining these stock tropes where they would say, oh, Jesus Christ, like I barely even have time to like eat and like sleep, yet alone think of ways to flesh this character out. So I'm going to go to this like basic tsundere model. I'm going to go to the basic kind of like uh, angry sidekick model or, oh, this is the sexy character. Okay, well, how do we make it clear that the audience should find her attractive? More titty, more titty, it, more titty. It, <laughs> you know? it becomes more about checking boxes exactly. to have specific tropes in, in anime and in characters than creating characters and fleshed out relationships themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what are some other ways that Dorohiro subverts these tropes or like has a complicates a character? We've already talked about how there's a really realistic and really satisfying array of female characters in it, which is one of my biggest. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I'm female, and uh, it means a lot to me. Um, But one thing that I find that's interesting that I think specifically came from the fact that she's a female mangaka is uh, the humor is so different than you would expect to see in this type of show in this type of show with how gruesome it is with how uh, gory it is with how very very shoujo it is you would expect to see the sort of like uh, sexist side character you would expect to see um the humor that comes at the expense of the characters themselves but 
all of the humor actually comes from situations that arise and jokes that the characters tell as opposed to them being cruel to one another or them uh, being ridiculous. It it comes uh, less as... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, It's less sitcom-y and more fleshed out, more thought about. And... um, it just allows you to love every character instead of uh, seeing each character as a set of jokes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something about this almost gives me, at first I, I thought I was going to get like Fist of the North Star vibes from this, where there was oh, going to yeah. be like blood spewing out, just like big muscly characters, because Kaiman, who I don't actually think is accurate, at least in the, in the the anime, to call him like the main character. Because this show really quickly becomes an ensemble piece. But Kaiman is this dude where he has amnesia. He doesn't know why he has a lizard head or why there's a dude inside of his head. All he knows is he likes Nikaido and they're best friends. And he likes when she makes dumplings for him. And they're going to keep... And she never makes him pay. And she never makes him pay. And um, this... This show, too, I thought, like, oh, well, it's violent, which means there's going to be a lot of crazy fight scenes, right? And that's not really true. All the fighting in in the show and in the manga looks cool as hell. But when I'm talking, like, fight scenes, I mean how, like, a traditional book might stretch, like, a fight over the course of, like, chapters and chapters. Where, like, hey, here's, like, 25 chapters of Naruto where all the main characters are fighting all the bad characters. And you kind of, like, loop them in. Do you know what I mean? A lot of powering up, a lot of yelling, a lot of, uh, oh, you you were able to counter that move, but here's a new special move. A a, a lot of sort of back and forth extended violence for the sake of imagery as opposed to the sake of storytelling. Exactly, exactly. But anybody who's ever been in a fight in real life knows that fights do not last long. Like if you're getting in like a slugfest at a bar, someone has like pulled a knife out. Uh, it, it, it's something where the shit is like decided in like seconds or, you know, you know, the, the low minutes, not something where it's like people will fight for like two hours and have a drawn out thing. At some point something breaks and that's the case in Dorohedro. Something gets breaked or sliced or severed or bisected or fucking destroyed. Or they run through a door. (laughs) Or they run through a door and people run away all the time. And something that I thought was cool too is that like Kaiman at least from what I'm seeing, doesn't really have any special fucking powers other than like, other than like there's a guy in his mouth and magic doesn't affect him, but he's not like the strongest guy in the world, uh, nor is he the most skilled or talented. Like, so I would cr- say Nakaido's the better fighter. Absolutely, absolutely. And so the fact that it's just like Nakaido, who's a better fighter and has some interesting character reveals power-wise throughout the story, and then her big fucking like lizard best friend slash maybe love interest i don't know like, i mean i mean they flirt but let's be honest they best friends before anything else oh no, that's true that's true that's true that's true but he's not down bad though i mean like there is sparks between a lot of these pairings which is nice um but it's respectful relationships it's like built on sensible things which is really fantastic and so talking about some of these um subversions and, and you do get some like fun comic relief characters but even they are to be taken seriously in a lot of ways and have like really they serve, re- they serve a larger purpose yeah and have like really relatable moments at one point someone who is like presented as like a this beta cucked sorcerer who is like friends with like a brain damaged like dinosaur creating girl um 
they're they're presented as comic relief and this dude the the sorcerer he runs around he's the guy who survives the initial contact with kaiman and who is able to run away and not be destroyed by him um but when he runs away you know he's running around in like a russian yushanka winter hat and shorts and like a t-shirt the entire time he just looks like he has a very uh uh, what's it called? Cyrano uh, de Bergerac-esque mask. Thank you! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I got you. I got you, theater baby. Um, but even he, there's a moment where like he's looking to get a new partner. And he is looking for applications. And he's someone where like his powers are like basically non-existent, at least at the start. And like no, the one like one of the people who applies, like one of the two, is him. Because he's like, I just wanted to get at least one application. <laughs> and it's it's not presented as like fucking loser. It's presented as like Oh man, like, dude, you know? This is, a, this is a full character who deserves their sympathy and compassion, despite the fact that he's not as cool as the rest of them. Yeah, and the fact that him and Dino Girl are constantly running around with, like, the guy who's initially, like, the arch-villain, instead of, like, instead of, like, the guy who is the arch-villain being, like, and I have the secret council of the seven moon dragons mixed with the 14 star elders who protect the three monstrous triumvirate, like, warriors, and, you know, the, the, the number, title, you know, people that you work through in a traditional manga. The, the big the, seven. Yeah, because the, the the mushroom boy, N, uh, who's like the mushroom sorcerer, who you'd think he'd have this big squad. These two people like kind of tag along, and at no point is he like doesn't really like shit on them a whole bunch. It's just like, well, these are some people who are around. <laughs> Here, I'll give you jobs that are suitable to you. I can yeah. use you. Everyone is valuable to me. Exactly. Exactly. So even even our villain has these incredibly well I don't even know if we can call him a villain but our antagonist has these incredibly redeeming qualities yeah absolutely and in that sense the amount of time that we spend with the villain too it's not like how I mean granted I think One Piece villains are amazing but you'll get like the villain arc will be like one villain uh, period of time doing evil stuff you meet the villain and then there will be like a 15 chapter black bordered backstory where they go through like the entire sad childhood and that is you know definitely worthwhile I mean, yeah one piece flashbacks are dope but in Dorohedoro you just spend a lot of time with them you know what I mean because they're part of this big ensemble like just getting to see them doing things day to day playing baseball going about these things and like that's super worthwhile no, I the, the the biggest part about this that I think is uh, impressive as far as this goes is she takes the time to flesh out every character. She makes you care about every character. And there is really no... While we follow a main story and a main overarching theme, there is no one character that you care about more than, than anyone else. Like, you can't be like, that's my favorite side character. You can only be like, that's my favorite character. For real, for real, for real. And so, so kind of speaking about the, the this overarching story, we've talked. Let's get a little more granular about like the setting that's going on here, because it's like okay, there's the city, there are these sorcerers, there's these cool people getting along, but this isn't like a magical world necessarily that we spend time in, at least not initially. Tell us about the whole, the thing that we were teasing earlier, the whole section of this city. So Dorohedoro takes place in two worlds. There are basically two parallel... I, I don't know if I would call them two parallel universes, but uh, two parallel lands um, that uh, sorcerers, the magic users of the world, have access to both, and humans who live exclusively in the hole. Sorcerers travel to and from the hole through magical doors that they create with smoke uh, in their fingers and uh, basically use humans as guinea pigs to train themselves and become more powerful. 
um, while the humans rest in this sort of like slum-like world that they are trapped in and have to deal with uh, constantly being more or less hunted. Um, The whole is a crumbling city, um, while uh, in contrast, the magic user's world is actually quite grand and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the whole is just a, a part of a larger city or a larger world? The whole is the city itself. The okay. world does not, she doesn't take, um, at least not in the first season, she doesn't take uh, much time to travel outside that city because it's their home and it's where all the action happens. Right, 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 right. And important to note here too, because you're mentioning like that there is this conflict. It's the humans used to kind of fight back against these sorcerers, but after certain experiences with some of these characters, at this point, there is not really like a counter force against it. You know, no. This, this is very much, it, it almost gets like post-apocalyptic vibes of like a city ravaged by this where people are suffering from either being murdered by sorcerers, turned into like horrendous experiments, people who have been like cut up into like different sections and yet still live despite being like severed meat, like strange things going on. It's just people on the edge. Strange things going on. I mean, yearly, uh, there's an entire episode about how yearly uh, zombies rise from the dead and the people of the whole need to defend themselves from such. Um, and it's kind of funny because the world building in this um, in this manga and anime is done not through um, taking us to different places, but actually through the jobs that yeah. all of these characters have. Yeah. Like Kaiman actually works at a what could be called a hospital. It could generously be called a hospital. <laughs> if, we, if we are being very generous. It's like a dirty um, hallway where people go to die. <laughs> like. Basically, um, where they, him and his boss take in yeah. um, people who have been affected by magic users. And uh, then there's the Hungry Bug, which is Nakaido's restaurant that she runs, although it's a, it's a stingy little dive in, in the slums of the city. And uh, we are sort of... A, given a taste of uh, the world that they live in through, believe it or not, these characters have jobs outside of just being in a, in a manga. <laughs> like... And these jobs bring so much um, depth to the characters in the sense that uh, everything tells you about the characters in such a unique way because Kaiman is not doing this because it's his big passion. It's to like earn a couple of bucks so that he can squeeze by and have something to do. Whereas um, Nakaido, it's legitimately a passion to be making these, you know, gyoza and to have this, this dumpling shop and this bar that she runs. And the fact that they're connected through these things that um, Kaiman fucking lives for these dumplings. You know what I mean? Every day. Like Ponyo loves ham. Kaiman loves gyoza. (laughs) Like he's just constantly screaming in joy every time he sees them. Goyoza and beer. And Nakaido packs him a lunch every day. Yeah, yeah, which is so sweet. And again, like, it's these little things where in in just taking pains to, like, build these relationships and, like, explain how the characters are eating and surviving and getting along, it just makes you fall in love with them in such such a, a, a deeper, more significant way. So what can people kind of um, expect from watching Dorohiro who is the ideal person who should be watching this someone who wants a break from the average shoujo anime which is not the usual shoujo watcher interesting the usual shoujo that's fascinating yeah. so people who don't Some, know what's a shoujo 
Okay, so a shoujo would, uh, in most, in the most layman's term possible, be an anime or manga that is directed towards a male audience, eighteen to thirty, mm-hmm. or like maybe fourteen to thirty. I don't know what are boys into these days. Socks. Socks. Yeah, and so that's a really great way to define it because people talk about Dorohiro as if it's the weirdest thing in the world. You know, as if it's so, so weird. And a lot of it is unique. And it's that type of thing where it's like, I am all for like a fucked up experience, even if it's a bad one, as long as it's a new thing. And this feels new. It's like a story that I haven't heard or seen before. It's mystical and unique and the the powers are strange and the delivery is wild. And yet a lot of manga is weird. So like what's extra weird about this? Um, what's extra weird about it is it breaks a lot of norms. Uh, first of all, it is so vividly created and the uh, visual structures of these yeah. characters are designed to have an extreme impact. Um, no one looks the same. No one looks standard in any way except possibly Nakaido a little bit. Um, everyone has these, these very distinct personalities. No one is used as a joke. I, I would say... Uh, did you love Banana Fish? Did you love uh, Devil Man Crybaby? Did you love yes. Did you love the the action packed, gory, dark world being looked at in a new light? Mm. You would love Dora Midoro. Brilliant. Way to did you love that. Chainsaw Man? Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Those are great suggestions, and I think that um, another thing that's weird about this is how sweet and genuine it is you know and that's a that's a wild thing to kind of like say is that what's weird is it's is it's genuine humanity but it's very it that is a weird thing to see in some of these like shoujos or an ultra violent show to have a ultra violent show that treats people both like meat and like the most loving portrayals of humanity and suffering and friendship that like i've seen it doesn't shy away from gore or death as a necessity. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it rebels in it uh, uh, quite a bit. There's there's uh, multiple times, even in the first episode, where Kaiman regrets not killing someone. But it's out of his own rage. It's out of his own character development. It's it's a genuine response to someone who has been hurt as opposed to someone seeking more power, which I usually find is the motivation in shoujo. Revenge or power. And this is more about righting a wrong. This is more about finding a way back to normalcy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's it's interesting that you, you point that out because the way that this show like treats death, you're talking about like when Kaiman does do violence, even though there's a lot of violence and blood in this, there isn't actually that much death. Like, and when death does happen, it can be used as like a, a story beat. And yet it's not like people are like serial killing, crashing down skyscrapers constantly. There's a couple like big moments like the Mushroom City, which won't mean anything to people when I say that, but you know what I mean by Mushroom City. I absolutely um, do. Where uh, these characters, I, I got tricked. I got tricked. Because I went in thinking like, Damn, Kenganashira season three is not out. I hear great things about Dorohiro. I hear that it has some like wild moments of violence. I want to feel good. I want to feel like I'm watching John Wick. I want to see bodies fall, baby. I want to see blood. And I went in thinking like, okay, I'll get some cool combat. And there's some cool combat when it happens. And yet, like most of these episodes, 
sucker you into this world where you fall in love with the unique setting. The many mysteries that get unfolded so naturally and none of the plot beats feel like just so pulled out of the ass. It's like it's a really richly developed story. It's a richly developed world. And I got fucking tricked because that wasn't what I'm looking for and now I love it. It, 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 Talking about the plot beats, it's it it reached its fair share of criticism due to the fact that things unfold as they unfold organically as opposed to it being set up for the viewer. But I would highly debate that saying things unfolding organically, things occurring as they happen and being addressed as they happen is so much more satisfying for the viewer to watch than something being structurally designed to make you go, Oh, whoa. Or something structurally designed to be like, Oh, what a twist. No, the twists happen and there are twists. They happen, but they happen because they've arised organically out of the situation, not to, like, shock the viewer or trick them. Absolutely. I want to ask you some more questions about the plot beats that you know a lot about, but that I know nothing about, because there's a lot of story left to tell. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll see you in, like, ten seconds. (laughs) Once there was a lizard... Sitting on a stone And the sun shone above Along came a fly And we're back! And we're back talking about Dorohidoro 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 So, um, Anna there's a lot of story left in this because season one adapts the first like couple volumes of it in a way where the pacing is like, Mwah. I, I like believe the, the first seven volumes. Ooh, oh, oh, okay. So that's probably like a quarter of the story. I would, I would, if if this uh, series gets, I believe it is going to be renewed uh, in somewhere around January twentieth of uh, two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. And Anna believed wrong because it wasn't even out there, dumbass. <laughs> Anna believed wrong. Her faith was blind. <laughs> Yo, faith's my middle name, baby. Anyway. You found something saying that might be the date? Uh, somewhere, somewhere around the 20th, 21st, uh, it received a lot of positive reviews. It received a lot of positive criticism other than Carlo. Um, <laughs> um, Come on, Brotakus, Carlo. Let's throw down. Um, it received so much positive reinforcement that uh, I believe that Mappa is going to renew it for another season and I possibly believe that they're going to renew it for a season 3 as well and I think that's probably all we're going to get okay okay but you think that they can make it work Oh, I definitely believe they can make it work. Um, It was when it came out it was in Netflix's top 10 for two months I know, right? Which is nuts because this is like it, a fucking crazy, violent show about a lizard guy and his like human friend who makes dumplings. Like, as well as it, it's insane for a Netflix original anime to be that popular for that long. Yeah, and so this, real quick, since this is arising naturally, this is why you need to watch Doro Hiro because nothing about that statement makes sense that Anna just said. It was in the top ten, and this is a anime with like a 3D art style about a dude with a lizard head and a violent city living in the hole, a show about dumplings and masked sorcerers and things where this is so away from like the fucking like cultural touchstones that we have. How the fuck is it in the top ten? That's how interesting this story is. 
As well as the fact, though, I, I just want to point out that list that you just listed. Lizardhead, mass sorcerers, dumplings. None of it is out of place. Exactly. It all fits seamlessly with it. It, it. And it sounds insane saying this because the stuff that we're talking about out of context sounds crazy and so different. But everything serves its purpose in this story. And everything fits seamlessly in with one another. Yeah, absolutely. Even the okay. Um, th- there is the girl. Um, what's Dino Girl's name? Ibisu. Yeah, so Ibisu. There's this girl who she spends a lot of the series just like incapacitated, and then she gains like some speech capabilities back. And she does one of these things where like she she does like a sing songy um, mocking of a certain character. And I'm gonna roll it right now because it's hilarious. Come on, Ebisu! Fujita, Fujita, terrible guy, he's broke. He has bad luck, he has no friends. I'm really tired of hearing about Matsumura, what a joke. Fujita, Fujita, such a useless boy! Transform! So what I'm putting in there is... Um, I know exactly what you're putting in okay, there. Okay, <laughs> great. And, and so that that is something where... In Japanese, you're like, does that work in English? And then I listened in English, and it's like, that works in English. That works in English. And it's just, it's so funny and natural. And the fact that this show, just all of these friendships and these relationships, like, traditionally, if you were to see, like, a little anime girl singing and mocking a friend, you'd be like, okay, well, they're being, like, so random. But, like, I, do, I, I, I haven't seen the show even break art style in the same way that, like, some people will, like, go suddenly chibi and have, like, a little, like, flash of, uh, you know, cute characters doing, like, wacky things and ultra-stylizing it. It just takes place in the art style. It's natural and it's good as fuck. There's, uh, that, that's another thing that's interesting about this show, Joe, is there's, despite it being highly fanciful in a fantastic world with these characters with lizards for head and smoke coming out of their fingers and heart masks for their face, yeah. everything is within style, within world, within canon. There's nothing, it, it's so untraditionally anime in the fact that it takes itself so seriously and so genuinely. Yeah, and for a lot of people who, a lot of young homies, their first big anime is like um, Attack on Titan, actually, for this generation, which is weird because, you know, my my generation grew up with Naruto and, you know, Dragon Ball Z. And so to have your first anime being something where, like, because you could kind of get kung fu fighters, you could kind of get ninjas, but for there to be like a... Okay, and we are going into a world where there's a pseudo-Germanic tribe being terrorized by gigantic, you know, monsters that are eating the cities that are the size of skyscrapers. It's, like, really weird as shit, you know? But why a lot of people fell in love with Attack on Titan is because it's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but this is so well done. This is so well done. It's the finger in the ass of animation. It's the, what's happening? I need to know more. <laughs> it takes itself seriously. Oh, and it, 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 it does something borderline cruel to the, to the viewer, yeah. where instead of giving you that respite of uh, uh, crazy cheeky humor or uh, some like etchy jokes or something like that, it, it says, nope, you got to sit with that. That happened and we're not making you feel better about it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So wrapping up here, there's so much Dorohedro left to love. Should I just jump into the anime instead of or the manga instead of waiting for the rest of the anime? Because you own the whole thing, right? In paper. Baby, I could send any of them to you your way anytime you want. Oh my God. I just, oh, I want to be in the city right now. Uh, <laughs> soon, soon. Um, so is it that good? Should I really, should I get into it? 
honestly, the art style alone is enough to really keep you turning pages, as well as the fact that, I, I will say this, the anime adaptation is very faithful to the books, is very, very kind to the books uh, as well. It, it doesn't, uh, it, it, it is a slower paced for sure, than a lot of uh, shoujos, but it um, takes its time telling the story in a really rewarding way. But I would say read it. Okay, I'm gonna get into it. I don't even need to hear anything else in terms of like the the broader arcs of it. Like, is there anything I should like expect coming in that I, I should expect to hook me, or you just no no spoilies? No spoilers. Uh, the only thing I can say is you think you love these characters now. Just wait. Okay. Okay. Hell yeah. And so. Is this a show for everybody? I'm not necessarily sure. So as we wrap up today, let's talk about our best and worst parts of the show. And then we'll talk about who who we target this at. Because there are some adults who listen to Brotakus who just listen to hear about some weird stuff. Who don't watch the anime. Shout out to you, Mr. Wickersham. <laughs> but um, but uh, what is, what's your favorite part about Dora Hidoro? The characters... Yeah. Um, and, and I always find myself drawn to the characters. That's the reason why I tend to watch shows is because I watch shows to love the, pe- the things that they're about. I, yeah. I watch them to care about other people. And uh, the unique storytelling elements, I think, are probably the best. If you can get over your hatred of CGI, you will also find that MAPPA has done as wonderful a job as it can with... Um, uh, barring a few sort of motion things, um, as wonderful a job as it can adapting a style that once when you see it, you will understand completely. Absolutely. Man, I just want to get into reading this more. I think that's what I'm going to do right after Brotaku's today. Um, for me, favorite part is I just can't get over the setting. I really can't. It is and the so... backgrounds in it are beautiful. Really beautiful. And there's just something to me about the capacity of like human beings to dream and to create new stories. And every time I see something, it's like I, I am learning about a whole new world or like a new form of science or like a new way to dream and like getting all of these, these, these experiences and new mythologies and then just ways to kind of experience joy and experience really down to earth stories. It's like, Nothing, nothing's better than that to me. And and for this, I've never read anything like this. And it is subverting all of my expectations in a way that is just so satisfying. And I'm in, I'm in love with Dorohedera, well-earned on the top 10 place. Now, the tough part, is there any least favorite part? Something that you're like, that's whack. This, this, uh, this needs to change. Uh, I've... <laughs> The CGI animation uh, took a while to win me over, and it did eventually. I would say probably the worst part about this is it's hard for new anime lovers. Um, uh, there's always really great shows to start with. There are always really, really great shows that uh, will kick you right off the diving or kick you right into the shallow end of the pool, that nice, like, wading in three feet. This is not one of those shows. This show is going to send you off the diving board into the deep end, and you can either choose to swim or get shocked by the cold pool water. Hell yeah. I think that that's totally right, like an intermediate anime. That makes sense. This isn't, I, I, I would never say it's not for novices because I don't know you, but 
I would say... Um, you must be level four before you access this anime. Level four weeb. <laughs> be careful with your roll of the dice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's that's a really good that's a really good point. Um, I'm trying to think uh, if I substantively have any complaints about this because you're totally right about the animation. Like, it could be different, but I would rather have this than no Dorohedro adaptation. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Yeah, and and also I would rather have this than a. 2D animation that's like a little like clunky and whack or with like like imprecise mouth movements and actions and you know not able to to do that because there's a trade-off there for sure if if it could have gotten the funding 2D animation would have been glorious to behold but not if they couldn't keep up the um immense level of detail that the mega cop put into this and there was really no way to do that. So this is absolutely the best we could do under the circumstances. For sure, for sure. And to like kind of explain why, because I, I don't know if we've like spelled this out. It, it's the difference between animating one 2D background a new way every time you have like a new frame, a new angle versus animating, you know, one 3D model and then changing the model every time you need a new frame or angle. You know, exactly. It does take a lot of the workload off. Um, is, is I think MAPA is doing the new, the last season of um, Attack on Titan. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, as we've discussed before. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> Another time when I took the weave card away from the master. It's okay, I <laughs> my crow i ate my crow okay hell yeah so um ultimately at 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 the end of the day i think it's safe to say we both really fucking dig doro hidoro so let's just spell it out who should watch doro hidoro and who probably importantly should not watch this show do you love um do you love loving characters watch it do you love a visually stunning scenery? Watch it. Yeah. Do you absolutely love things that um, strike, scratch that weird itch for you? Watch it. Are you looking for massive power-ups? Are you looking for a 200-episode... Mm, great point. Um, are you looking for like a 200-episode runtime? Are you looking for something that is... Um, cheesy and and uh sort of 2d in its um are you looking for something that doesn't take itself seriously don't watch it hell yeah hell yeah so um anything else to add anna because i think we we covered this pretty good watch dorohedoro watch it watch dorohedoro read dorohedoro um and let us know how you like it because it's all i'm gonna be doing tonight (laughs) um so uh all right, uh, Anna, this has been fun as hell, and thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I just really appreciate this. You're the fucking master of this shit, and it's always a joy. Oh, no, I love doing it so much. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate being able to flex my nerd card like this. Yeah, for sure, and and also just thank you for introducing me to Dora Hedero, because it's improved my quality of life substantially. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. I have more suggestions anytime you want them. I'll hit you up for that. Uh, do you want to lead us out? Sure. So, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference, and every good review counts. We'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the air to show our appreciation. All right. I'm not Hal. And I'm Pax. And And we're we're the the Hotakus, baby. We're going to see you next week, guys, when Hal will be back. And we have a fantastic episode lined up. Love you all so much.